Good morning. This reminds me of, uh, as you know, you guys uh, <coughs> were very kind to me a couple of weeks ago. I want to thank you for that. But this uh, reminds me of when I was doing a consulting job with Cameco. And I uh, had come to the end of the contract, and they really didn't need me. And so they gave me a going-away party, a, a cake and everything. And two months later, I was back to work for him, and the boss called me in and says, well, this is kind of weird. What's going on? So I'm not really gone. I'm still here. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share the word with you this morning. And uh, I thank you a lot for the blessings you gave me last week. Thank you. So we're going to be turning over to Matthew chapter 20 today. We're continuing on looking at parables through Matthew. This particular parable, I believe, was addressed to those that had faith or were beginning to have faith in Jesus Christ. And it explains a lot of things about the kingdom of God that, that they may have had questions about. And as we know, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so there's a lot to gather from this particular parable. And it casts a contract, contrast between uh, the oftentimes selfish nature of mankind against the amazing compassion of God. So let's just begin by reading in this parable. It starts in Matthew 20, beginning with verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the, vine, into the vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth hour, and the ninth hour, and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to this, his steward, Call the laborers and give them the wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I want, wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few chosen. 
And so as we look at this, it's, it's important for us to maybe draw some context. And I think an important verse to read is the verse previous to this in um, Matthew 19, verse 28. It says, so Jesus said to them, as surely as I say to you, that in, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on his, the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or, or father or mother or wife or children or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last first. There's two bookends here. Many who are first will be last, but both ends of this verse. Now, it's interesting here because there's a key phrase that I think is very important, and it's the idea that of doing things for my name's sake. If we're really going to understand how we are to labor for the kingdom of God, we need to understand that we're doing it for his sake and for him to receive the glory and honor. So the, the real issue here is labor with a pure heart for the Lord's sake. Always look at your heart. Always think of your heart. Paul mentioned that. You always got to look at why we're doing things. When we labor for the Lord's sake, we will have a desire to serve. And I, I, I would challenge you to think about when you first became a Christian, what desire did you find in your heart? What, what did you really want to do? Well, I think we want to get involved. We want, we want to do something for the kingdom of God. We're so, we're so grateful for what the Father has done that, that we desire to do something. And so here's, here's these laborers. Obviously, they desired to have work. They're out there very early in the morning. And they've come with the intent of fi finding a job. And we realize that a denarius is a day's pay. Uh, it's enough to buy the food for that day. And these people subsisted from day to day. And so their desire was, let me do something here. And as Christians, I think we, we feel that way. I want to serve the kingdom of God. And I think that if you just stop and think for a moment, you're going to realize that you want that. Okay, but what we have to remember then is that this desire to serve can't become misplaced. And we can't begin to think that God owes us something for what we've done. So, Everyone gathered there was waiting for a job. And I, I think this word desire is, is really important. It's, it's this, when I use the word desire, it's a, it's, a, it's a longing to do something of value. If you turn over to Luke uh, chapter 22 and verse 15, we see our Lord speaking. It says, uh, then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. A desire, 
a, a longing to spend that time with his disciples. See, and I think this is the same thing. Now, what happens in the parables, we have to begin to see, okay, where are the motives? What are the motives? And there are, are two possible motives here that we need to really look at. Um, everyone gathered there was waiting for a work. They wanted a job. And that's true because of the fact that they'd been there all day. Some of them have waited all day long to find work. Now, you could take that as an example of faith, couldn't you? Something's going to happen. Somehow, I'm going to be able to make this day. Those that were hired at the 11th hour, uh, if, if you're like many of us, you probably would have thought, hey, um, I guess I'm not needed. Why should I stand here if I'm not needed? But notice, they did not quit. They stood there, and they waited, and they understood that that was critical, and it was part of what they needed to do. And so they were looking for an opportunity. And sometimes we find ourselves standing around looking for something to do and opportunity smacking us right in the face. Kind of important to think about that. How many, if we really begin to think about opportunity and begin to look at things in our life that happen, people that we interact with, people that we run into, we would begin to see that maybe there's a whole lot more opportunities for me to be a laborer in the vineyard of Christ than I ever thought. And so they show us something there for sure. And so those that were hired the first hour, they show us something that's, that's really kind of overlooked sometimes. Like all of them, they were desired, they desired to have a job. And they got good news, didn't they? I use good news because that's what we get. We get the good news, the gospel. And they got that good news, but what did they do? Even though what they wanted more than anything was a job, an opportunity to work. I, they knew what they wanted, they knew what they needed they chose to go into negotiations. That first group makes two negotiations, one at the start of the day and one at the end of the day. At the start of the day, they agreed to a denarius. At the end of the day, they decide what? Denarius isn't enough. We worked hard. What are they really saying to that landowner? Who, by the way, in this parable, I believe is... God. <laughs> what are they saying to him? You owe us. <laughs> okay, think about that. Keep that in your memory bank. And so they, they had this negotiation. Now, there's kind of two sides to this thing. When you think about this, from an earthly point of view, that makes total sense. Doesn't it? Have you ever went and got a job and never asked what you're going to make? Your, your family's going to depend on your income. Have you ever went and took a job and never asked what you're going to make? I can't honestly say that I've ever done that. 
It might not have been the first thing I asked because I wanted to get the job, but I always kind of wanted to know, what are you going to pay me? You know, what are you going to pay me? And I always sort of knew what other guys were making too. You know, and, and when I was doing consulting and doing geology stuff, I knew what other guys were making. And so I knew whether that was something I wanted to do or whether I, or not, I wanted to do it. See? So we can understand this from an earthly sense. But there's a heavenly message here that we're going to look at. Uh, we ask for those things. And see, these guys, they were looking at this from a different point of view than God looks at this. You see that? They, they were beginning, they were thinking about it in a different way than God look, thinks about it himself. In Romans 4, and verse 4, it says, Now to him who works... The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? To him who works, the wages are not counted as, uh, as um, grace, but as debt. So what would pop into your mind there? Grace far outweighs anything you could earn. So no matter how much you work, you still have a debt. You still have a debt to pay. And see, they didn't pick up on that. They weren't thinking along those lines. And then again, in Romans 6, in, in verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what they're saying to, to this landowner, they're saying, um, we want our wages. We want what we earned. Okay? Again, as Christians, uh, you can't do that. I can remember when I first became a Christian, we, had, we were having a Bible study, and, and, and one of the guys, I think it was John Robertson, brought that up, and he says, well, do you want what you deserve? And I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, I was a new Christian. I didn't get it, you know. But you don't want what you deserve. I don't want what I deserve. <laughs> Believe me, I do not want that. Because I know that oftentimes I don't deserve your friendship. I don't deserve anything like that. I don't deserve what God offers me. I don't want my wages. See, but they're thinking like that in this particular parable. This, this, uh, this parable then shows us some attitudes that God's way of looking at it and the way we look at it are different. <clears throat> no one else who was hired asked that question about the pay. They trusted the master to do what was right. That's what he said to them. I will do what is right. And as Christians, sometimes we just got to hang on to that. You got to stop and think about this. You know, we have loved ones that, are, that die. We have, we have all kinds of situations that we get into, and, and we find ourselves thinking, uh, you know, well, 
what about them? Are, are, they, are they lost? Or what's going to happen? And you don't know. You're not sure. But this is important to put this in your memory banks. God will do what is right. And that's all that mattered to them. There was no negotiation. That was sufficient for them. It should be sufficient for us that God will do what is right. And, and that is said uh, in, a, in more than one verse. He said it to those that came at the third hour and the ninth hour and, and the eleventh hour, that they, he would do what was right. And they accepted that, and there was no, no question about that at all. And so, the, I guess the question we need to ask ourselves is, how are we doing with that? Do you, do you really believe that God's going to do what's right in your life? That, that God will take care of you? Or are you hindering yourself and having some thoughts that maybe you shouldn't have? I, I thought of a couple of thoughts that sometimes enter into our minds. Number one is I mean little to God. I, I'm not significant to God. God doesn't see me. He doesn't care about me. I'm not really worthy of God's love. And so what do we do when we're saying, I can't, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, I can't walk the walk because I don't have confidence that God really loves me at all. And that's one extreme. And then there's the other extreme of, of the guys that think, well, God owes me. Doesn't he see how good I am? Doesn't he see how great I am? How, how hard I've worked? God owes me. And see, both of those things are wrong. Both of those things are, I can't. The second one might be, I will not do anything else. I've already earned it. I don't need to be a laborer in the vineyard. I don't need to have the work of God. I don't need to reach out for that. As Christians, we should never stop desiring to serve God. And you know, when you get a little older, you start thinking about that. You start struggle a little bit well what what am I going to do now you know what does God want for me now see you have to answer that question God wants you to serve him in his vineyard and he's going to find ways for you to do it and you know you can whatever situation you find yourself in you're in the hospital or whatever it might be God can use you and I know I've shared this before but some of you remember Don Turchek. Don Turchek is a, a, was an elder in our church many years ago. And he, he uh, lost his leg. He, he had it amputated. And he was in the nursing home, and he's struggling. You know, what, what does God want me to do? He, he actually called me one night and had me come down and talk to him about it. And I just pointed out to him, Don, think about what you're doing. Because he was still talking to people about Jesus. He was still seeing opportunities to share the gospel. He was struggling, but, but he didn't even see himself that he was still serving God. He didn't get it at that moment. And I think we all need to realize that, that God has something for us to do uh, wherever we're at. And so what we have to do is open our eyes and see that. 
because we have value before God. And here's, I think, a point in this parable. When it gets right down to it, being there is enough. <laughs> do, do you think, would, you know, you guys can discuss that among yourselves, you know, gifts or whether, you know, I'm going to have a bigger mansion than the next guy or whatever, you know. But my point being is, being there is enough. Getting there. That's, the, that's it. That's the reward. It, it's enough to understand that, that God loved those that came late just as much as he loved those that came early. And it wasn't about how much they did. It was how much God loved them to send his son to die for them. And, and that's important to get. Very important to get. Because sometimes, you know, we always think about things in a different way, you know. I've done a whole lot more work than anybody else around here. I don't know. They don't seem to appreciate me. I brought the biggest casserole to the potluck dinner. You know. <laughs> uh, I won't tell you where I got that. <laughs> Some of you know. <laughs> Years ago, I saw in a book I was reading, and it had a little airplane in that book, and it was a biplane, and on the side it had little stick fingers of people on the side. <laughs> and and it, the point was this guy had evangelized 30 people. He had them like little, you know, like they used to put the insignia swastikas on your fighter plane because you shot down that many guys for the whatever. And they had that on the side of their plane, and that's how they were thinking about it. And sometimes we think about it like that, and that is not it. It's about purity of heart. There are plenty of sects out there that teach if you just work hard enough, if you, if you win enough people, you're going to kick some other guys out of line up there in heaven and you can be the ahead of them. And that's not it. That's not it at all. He offered it to the latecomers, the early guys. The gift was offered to them all. And I think that's important to understand. Just being there makes a big difference. And so we need to think about this Romans 6.23 Again, because it says the wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23, but the free gift of life of God is eternal life, right? It's life. And so you don't want wages. What you want is grace. And that's what he showed these people. Grace. What was at stake for them in this parable from an earthly point of view? They would suffer <clears throat> if they didn't get this money. Their family would go hungry for that day. And the benevolence of the master, the landowner, God himself, supplied their need. And that shows you the mercy that God displays for all of us. He loves us, and he cares for us. And we lose sight of that sometimes, but this is reminding us, do not lose that. In Matthew uh, chapter 11 and verse 11, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, 
But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Just think about that. Be in there. Heaven with God. You're not going to be envying anybody else if there is extra rewards. And I know that's a debate among people, whether there is or whether there isn't. You don't, you're not going to care. Are you going to go to Christ and, and say, Jesus, I got a bad deal. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> you know, I went to church with that guy. I know I, know I did more stuff than he did, so how come, he, how come his mansion's got an extra room and, my, and mine don't? Can you even imagine that? It's just not going to happen, you see. So we got all kinds of ideas that, that kind of get twisted up on sometimes that we need to get over. So we need to defeat a couple things. Lack of confidence that God is going to do what he says and pride that God owes us to do it. Those things need to go by the wayside. When we labor for the kingdom, the Lord's sake, we will find joy in the opportunity. We'll find joy in the opportunity. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been some times where we were doing some stuff around here and, and uh, maybe working on the pouring concrete or putting on shingles or something where I wasn't finding a great deal of joy in what was going on, <laughs> you know? Uh, and sometimes there was some complaining going on and there was some griping going on and all that sort of thing. I don't think that was the moment that uh, matters to God right there. I don't, I don't think that's what he's looking for. We find joy when we know that our work is beneficial. And so it goes back to kind of what Paul mentioned. It's about getting your mind right, about getting your attitude straight, about, well, what is the benefit of putting on the shingles on the roof instead of, man, it's hot up here and I'm tired. What's the benefit? Well, the benefit is, we can come to church and not get rained on and dripped on, you know? And can you find joy in that? Can you find joy in doing that? Every job completed for the Lord's sake is worth doing if he's glorified by it. And that's important to understand it. The problem is you have to believe it. If you believe it, you can find benefit in what you're doing as a Christian. You know it. You know there's a benefit. The more you focus on reward and the less you focus on the kingdom benefit, the more mixed up you're going to be as a Christian. We find joy when we see the value of what we're doing. I want to share this letter from you to you. This letter starts out, it says, some days are diamonds. Today was one of those days. We, we talked three separate times and baptized ten people. We baptized Abram, the old Mazay, that was a scout with George Adamson. He's a character. I gave him my blanket. He only had one. I had two. I love it. The work. It's not work. It makes you tired but it's not really work. The rewards are far too great for it to be considered work. I'm happy. I'm in the Lord, in his will. No doubt, I'm happy. 
And this is written by Pat Allen, missionary from Kenya, Africa, January 23rd, 1984. That's what we're talking about. Do you get tired? Do you get weary? Of course. It's work to serve the kingdom of God. And so sometimes you get weary. But don't forget why you're doing it. Don't lose sight of the benefit of what you're accomplishing for the sake of Christ. The more you can stay focused on service, the more fulfilled you will be in your walk. It's true. You know, Christ talked about that. He said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come on to me and I will give you rest for your souls. And I talked about taking his yoke upon you. In other words, doing it with him. It's not about taking a break. It's not about giving up. It's about teaming up with the Savior of the world who will give you joy and benefit in what you're accomplishing. So stay in the fight. Stay there till the 11th hour waiting for the opportunity. This, that's what this is about. It's about finding the opportunities and, and taking advantage of those things. And, and so the third point that I want to make here is when we labor for the Lord's sake, we will receive a reward that is just. He's always just. It's always right what he does when we serve him. When we labor for the Lord's sake, it'll be just. And I think this makes it pretty clear to us. The less we labor for reward, the greater our reward will be. It really does come down to that. It's all about your attitude. It's all about my attitude. It's all about our heart attitude. And we got to check it a lot. And, and uh, that's a fact. Why do we do what we do? Is it for present or future recognition? Or is it because we really care enough to love people? Critical question to ask. Critical question to be answered. Is do we really love people? That's, that's what it comes down to. That's what God wants it to be. That's what God challenges us to do. And that's what we need to focus on in our life. Because that is our reward. I know I've shared this with you before, but I think this is really important to get a hold of. And this is uh, uh, found in First Corinthians, or yeah, First Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse eleven. It says, "For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ." There's nothing you can build on other than Christ that matters. That really matters. And so it goes on. It says, "Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver." Precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will de declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it, it endures, 
we will receive a reward. And I think this is going to tell us what our reward's going to be. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as throw through fire. We build all kinds of stuff. We do all kinds of things. And a lot of what we do is going to be destroyed. It's, it's going to be burned up. It's going to be lost. But there's one thing that will never be lost. And I really, I really believe that you can count on this. When you're in heaven, it's not going to be that you've got a bigger mansion than that guy next door. It's not going to be about that. But what it's going to be is you're going to suddenly see that there's people in heaven that are there because you cared enough to tell them about Jesus Christ. And can you imagine that? You know, had a little, this thing you guys did for me, which I appreciate a lot, <laughs> but I wasn't excited about it, I'll be honest. But some people came up to me and they said, well, I remember this. Not any remember it. Like you helped me get some tires, one of our teachers that used to teach at the school. He helped me go down and get some tires. I didn't, I didn't think about that. I didn't remember that. But I realized it meant something to her. And so when people are going to walk up to you in heaven and they're going to say, you know, uh, you did a class when I was a little kid. And I heard about the gospel. You know, it, it was some years later, but I responded to that. You know, that kind of thing. That's going to be a reward, but that's eternal. The things that are eternal is us. So the, the things you do to help others, like helping them buy a set of tires, matters. Doesn't it? It mattered to her. It mattered to her. And I'm not saying that because I helped her do it. I'm just saying you don't know the impact you're having on people until that day. And I think there's going to be a lot of that. I think there's going to be a whole bunch of us here that are going to come to each other and maybe tell some things to each other that we should have been telling all along, but we never said. And there's going to be some people that you never thought you had any influence on at all that are going to be there. They're going to say, hey, you know, this happened because you mentioned Jesus at work one day and I just happened to be listening. See, those are eternal things. The rest of it's all going to go. It's all going to be gone. But your reward will be eternal things. And somehow or another, we're still hung up on the idea that as they try to explain the things of God, that we have to do it in a human sense. See, there's more to it than that. And so we need to get that and understand it. We need to understand that uh, when you share, suddenly someone receives life, eternal life, and that that is going to be there forever, and that you're going to share eternity together as Christians. In this parable, then, there's a, there's a relationship between physical and eternal the master's kindness took care of the physical need of all, all that, there were, that were there that day. Their wages, their families then were able to have food for that day. Their families were taken care of. But from an eternal point of view, 
we see that God loves us all equally, that care enough to follow him as Lord and Savior. And so we get hung up with each other once in a while, and we don't really need to do that, just real quickly. In John 21, we see Jesus talking to Peter. Peter had denied Christ, as all the other disciples had done, and fled. And he denied him three times with a curse even. He denied him. And Jesus sits him down and has a talk with him. And he talks about feeding his sheep and his lambs and all that. Because he says, Peter, do you love me? But this is what I want to talk to you about here. In verse 20, it says, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on the breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. If, I wanna, if the Lord wants to give his blessing, the same blessing to those who've come late as those that come early, what does that matter to us? What should have it mattered to them? Shouldn't have mattered anything. They, they should have been rejoicing. They should have been excited. They should have been happy because they need to follow. And that's the truth for us as well. So let's stand. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. in the blood.